Hello, this is Matt Marone, the worship pastor here at Glenelg Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, September 18th, 2022. Hey, everybody. I'm John Vanderbilt, the executive pastor here at Glenelg Bible Church. Hi, I'm Simone Halpin, executive director of Naomi's House. And I'm Kelly Brady, senior pastor at Glenelg Bible Church. Thanks for tuning in to the Next Level. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Howdy. Happy Monday. Happy, Happy Monday. Monday. Everyone seems pretty alive today and ready to go. We've already had a, about a 10-minute fun <laughs> conversation be- even before the podcast started. Yeah. So Just today should up. be lively. Mm-hmm. Is it fall? It is fall this week? Does it? The 21st. 21st? All right. close. Doesn't feel like it, but... Happy fall, mm-hmm. y'all. Hopefully, Lo- loving mm-hmm. it. Hopefully we'll mm-hmm. have some of it. It's going to be like 85 still this week. <laughs> it drops towards the end, if okay. anybody cares. Good. Yeah, right, now right. that we got the weather report. Yep. <laughs> yeah, thank you. How's traffic looking today? <laughs> <laughs> you brought it up. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Let's focus in here. How we was yesterday? Questions. I was actually off the platform. Yeah. Yeah. Um, had a Sunday off. Mm-hmm. Went to Indiana. What's John, how'd you feel about You were up front? I was. It was great. It was a great Sunday. Worship Ministries did an awesome job. Uh, Becca led the team. I, I know a couple people had to jump in. I think at the last minute, I text Beth on the Friday or Saturday, just like, "Hey, yeah, one of our other folks is ill, so could you step in?" She was like, "Yep." It was awesome. I love when people do that. Like we had raucous response. I would say first service in both. Yeah, second service was there was hooting and hollering going on it was awesome oh, awesome <laughs> we had second service was every seat in the room was taken and we had 44 in the overflow praise god wow so here is a plug if you are able to worship at the <laughs> 9 a.m service come to the nine come to nine. there's still it's, a, it's an easy way to serve let's yeah. be honest you're actually serving the church if you can move to 9 a.m yep and uh there was uh, 9 a.m was fullish but there's definitely room available for you and your family if you are able to make it it would be great so we'll keep working the overflow situation we'll have a better plan this week so i know there were folks not excited about being in overflow no one really enjoys that experience so makes me think of when i had little babies back in the day you didn't want to you couldn't well you could but you didn't want to sit <laughs> in the main service. Yeah. Do we want to edit this part out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there were, I met uh, several visitors um, from the community, but also yeah. uh, kids from Wheaton College that are coming and checking it out. Yeah. So it was a great Sunday. John, I listened to your sermon last night on the drive home at one and a half speed. Ah, it was nice. It was nice. (laughs) Actually, like a helium balloon. (laughs) No, it wasn't that bad. Okay, good. But the pacing was good. Oh, good. I listened to everything in one and a half speed. It is scarred. Like I now, if anybody talks normal, I'm like, you're talking too slow. I listen at one point three. That's about all I can handle. Once it goes after that, then I start to giggle. Like this person sounds funny. <laughs> What's really funny is listen to it in the opposite. Listen to it at like point Slow. five. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> sounds yeah. like probably like what your mm-hmm. frat parties were like back, back uh, <laughs> Or your reunion you just went to. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. There it's it's funny. Yeah. 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 Well, I was excited. Listened. I was excited about this that there was such a worship element to it. And I know you like missed the, the, the I know, I know. worship. I was sermon. like, "What? Come on!" Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, let's let's get into it because we're talking about some foundational uh, worship fundamental truths here. This is great. Uh, let's let's get into it. First question: What constitutes a church? I know that place matters and that worship on a golf course doesn't count, <laughs> but what does count? What are the biblical requirements for church? Yeah, I love that. So this <laughs> the, this question asker is bringing up uh, worship on a golf course because you mentioned a couple yes, examples did. of when, when people say things like, I feel close to God when I do X, Y, Z. Yeah. Usually, I thought you handled it well. Yeah. I mean, it's great that you feel close to God when you're hiking. I mean, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, I was, yeah there's I was, nothing wrong with that. I was like that. driving last night listening to it. I go, oh, babe, he's getting ready to attack. Watch this, watch this. Yeah. <laughs> he's setting it up. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think the, the like I tried to say on Sunday, the danger is that we replace that with the gathering together in a place with the people of, of God. I don't, uh, it's, it, to me, it's not, um, they're not mutually exclusive. Like we should have great connecting experiences with God on the golf course or on a hike or wherever that place. Worship is a lifestyle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, you can worship God anytime, anywhere because the, of the spirit of God inside you through the Holy Spirit. And, um, but there is a unique experience being in a place with the people of God under, you know, um, leadership, the, you know, pastoral leadership, elder leadership of the church, where there's music present and teaching present. And we see all those elements in the New Testament church. I mean, the establishment of the church in Acts 2, which we can read that verse if, if we'd like, but then all throughout the New Testament, there's, we get these pictures of the gathering of the people together. And um, what's going on yeah, in those gatherings. What's essential to right, the gatherings. And I think people sometimes wrestle with, well, where's the prescription for uh, a modern day church? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. The, this big building and you know this leadership structure and this order of service and all those sorts of things. Well, there isn't really a New Testament Hmm. modern day uh, prescription of, you know, you've got to check all these these specific boxes and it's got to all look this exact same way. But I do think that there, there are some overarching themes that we see in Acts 2 and then, and then throughout the, the New Testament about, you know, there's leadership present. The apostles are, are there. They're commissioned to lead. They give oversight. There's teaching present. So mm-hmm. there's the opening of God's word, the reading of God's word, the teaching of what it means, how to apply it and understand it. Um, I think of the, the sacraments of communion happening and baptism on a regular basis, uh, praying together. We see these, these snippets, even in Acts, where um, you know, Peter leaves is uh, freed from prison and he and he shows up and to the gathering of believers and we get a feel for what they're doing in that that place you know they're praying together and asking for god's blessing upon them and the and their fellowship and yeah um i think the one of the larger pieces for me is in thinking about what makes a church unique it's it's the gathering of the people of God. So it doesn't mean that everybody's in the same place spiritually. It doesn't mean even that everybody is knows and is following Jesus, but there is this this core, this group of people that that are passionately striving to live lives that are are following Jesus. And that group getting together has a an element of um 
power that we don't have in other types of gatherings in in our lives. So getting together with your you know, your neighbor group or your book club or your whatever doesn't have that same power, that same connection, that same inspiration as a, a gathering focused with believers on on worshiping God and God alone. So I've had some people say to me before, well, I'm, I'm out hiking with my friend. So there's two and wherever, and we know Jesus said, wherever two or more gathered, there I am in your midst. And it's true. Christ is, is with us when we're with our buddy hiking on the trail, the, the spirit of Christ is there, but that doesn't, I mean, that doesn't mean we're doing what the church does that, and there are some particular things you mentioned them, John. You know that when the church gathers, they read the word, mm-hmm. they pray, they break bread, which is a picture. Many consider a picture for communion. They break bread uh, together. Uh, they live on mission. Uh, Acts chapter two. Everyone shared everything in common, and they gave to each other as they had a need, and so they met one another's needs, and that's spiritual needs as well as physical needs. Um, so. You know, just because you're hiking on a trail with some, you can certainly share in a fellowship. The Spirit of God is present. Doesn't mean you're you're doing what the church does necessarily. Mm-hmm. In fact, I warn small groups all the time. You can get together and, and and you can enjoy each other's friendship and never act as the people of God. The ecclesia is the Greek word. The the called out ones mm-hmm. and the called out ones which is translated in our New Testament as church, those called out, falling after God, they're, they're living a particular way. They're living on mission. Mm-hmm. So would you say that the occasional round of golf or hike on a Sunday is the exception to being a, maybe a member or a, a regular attender of a church? Because I, I don't think you're saying that it's wrong to play golf or hike on a Sunday. No, I think... You just say not to... Re- yeah, place it, that exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing, you know. <clears throat> I would caution against making those t- types of things on a Sunday morning when you forsake the gathering mm-hmm. of believers. I mean, there's six other days of the week, but I get it. Like sometimes uh, Sunday morning is when it happens. Mm-hmm. Your family's in town, mm-hmm. or you know whatever, and it's you miss church for that type of experience. That that happens. Yeah. Um, so Hebrews but, ten. 25, don't yes. give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. I was talking to someone yesterday, and he said, you know, they won't be back until March mm. in the fellowship at church because hockey season's starting. Mm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's hard. I think that's the danger is that you start to sort of, yeah. you know, I don't want to be legalistic and right. fundamentalist about it, but at the same time, the pattern patterns of behavior wind up creating yeah. habits and wind mm-hmm. up creating other things and you know we need to be mm-hmm. prioritize things yeah. and an occasional adjustment of priorities that happens I mean I, okay. I think of times that we've missed church <clears throat> because it felt like a Sabbath to take away time from the busyness of just getting to church yeah. and all that goes on and getting you know four kids here or whatever that looks like serving and having a day where you are just in Mm-hmm. like solitude or sa- like practicing a Sabbath and you're unplugged. Like, to, yeah. like I said, it's the exception. It's not yeah. the norm, but there are times where you, I think those are, those are, that's a beautiful, potentially a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. I think 
that's very rare. Yeah. I think most people schedule other things yeah. and say, well, so we get to like, church enough. Yeah. And then there's other things that hockey games or gotcha. the other activities yeah. and things like that. It, it, taking intentionality with your Sunday and if it means that you're not here in worship, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> at a time or something, that's to me a different type of yeah. of um, experience. But Attendance rates in America are dropping. Mm-hmm. They, the, the, <clears throat> most people are attending church under twice a month. And I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't point it out. That isn't serving our families well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think um, if this, if anyone is looking for, okay, why do we do church the way we do it? Um, the first place, when I think about it, the first place I go is the Old Testament and synagogue. Like, first century Jewish Christians, they didn't just, okay, let's just start a house church. Like, like many of them still went to the temple. Still, many of them still went to synagogue on Sundays, um, and they just, you know, they they still worshipped. They still sang songs. They still heard the word preached. They did all those things. But then they also, if they had an opportunity, you know, many of them would speak about Jesus being the Christ. And and so it's it's not like there's two completely different religions, right? Like it's the fulfillment of. And so I think one place you can go is look at some of uh, Old Testament practices for, for worship and just see, okay, like there's some formation there. There's some intentionality there. Also, obviously you brought up the, um, lots of passages in the New Testament that, that talk about you know what happens when the gathering is going on but then also there's a uh, there's also an extra biblical account which i find it fascinating if you're looking for a little bit of reassurance of what we do when we gather and why we do it or is you know are we do are we in line with the earliest christians there's a letter i'll probably botch this but it's pliny the younger pliny pliny is it pliny not pliny i always heard pliny pliny so uh it's it's a guy who was he was like a governor uh bithynia maybe or something like that and anyway he was uh wanting to uh regulate i i don't know if i would use the word Hmm. persecute but he was definitely wanting to know what to do with these pesky christians and he wrote a letter to the emperor at the time and it and we have it like you can look this letter up and in it he describes what he what a christian gathering was you know because because the emperor was was like what what what, what are they doing what's going on and he said well they they meet on a particular day of the week they 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 take they say vow and this is all his perspective right they say vows of not to commit like you know uh violence or murder or adultery and you know because they're looking to like charge these christians with some kind of you know um offense and they can't find anything really other than they probably won't bow to pagan gods but but he describes the service and and he says they they met at dawn they sang songs that so it's really cool just to know and i think yeah. this letter was like 112 112 there you go you're looking it up awesome yeah. so it's 112 like that's early christianity and so you we already have an account from someone who has no reason to lie about it saying man they got together on a particular day of the week they sang they read scripture they they said vows of things that they would not do you know those kinds of things so i i think that's fascinating i it 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 reinforces the idea of that that they're you know we're in a good line of of tradition and tradition is you know 
good. It's a good thing. So, yeah, I guess the other thing was, I don't know, man, the whole, like, I feel closer to God when I do X, Y, Z. For me, that's dangerous territory. Uh, number one, you got to be honest with yourself. Are you just out to play around? I love golf. I would love to play golf on a Sunday. Like, come on, dude. Like, you just want to play golf and just be honest. Like, yeah. for most of us, just right. be honest. You just, you want to go fishing. You don't want to be in church. It's more fun to go fishing for you. Like, just be honest. And then let's have a conversation. But two, also, like, to say I feel closer to God when I do something, for me, is just starting to walk down a dangerous path. You, you should feel closer to God because of Christ. Christ is the one mediator. And so it's fine to be like, like what the guy said in Chariots of Fire, like, I feel the Lord's good yeah, pleasure joy. Joy. joy like yeah. yeah just say that like i mean i have a lot of joy in the lord when i'm hiking or when i'm fishing or when i'm running or whatever but i think uh, you bring up something interesting yeah. i i think if we don't miss the fellowship of god's people if we don't miss church we should ask right. ourselves why mm-hmm. yeah and you're also removing the horizontal ministering element and we may talk about that later but you know just god ministers vertically directly to you and he also ministers to you through other folks. And so mm-hmm. if you're not there, number one, you're missing out on that dimension. But number two, you may be removing that dimension from somebody else that God may be using Absolutely. you that day to minister to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And now by removing yourself from the gathering, you're removing that possibility. So I don't know. Anyway. Uh, okay, let's go to the next one. Uh, the mention of blood is hard for me. I think the gospel is a beautiful story, but I admit that it is hard for me to understand the role of blood and the work of redemption. What am I missing? So there's an interesting New Testament verse, and I think you quoted it, John, maybe. Hebrews 9, 22. Yeah. Under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So you talked about God's economy and, and how the economy, uh, that is the mechanism for, for forgiveness, our economy is based on the, the dollar bill and the the. the the American economy. So this economy of forgiveness, how, how is forgiveness purchased? And the writer of Hebrews is trying to explain to us, and in the Old Testament, we, we hear clearly, uh, forgiveness is bought, forgiveness is purchased, forgiveness is traded upon through blood. And I think we're missing the necessary proximity to blood in our modern suburban culture. I think, I think the understanding the economy of God that is life and death um, being fueled by uh, our trans- the transaction being that of blood it is because I cannot, you pointed out this one, I can't remember the last time I bled. Yeah. And when we bleed, we panic and cover it up. We just, we're not, ex- and when I buy meat at the supermarket, it's neatly saran yeah, wrapped. Right. And I'm panicked. <clears throat> that any of that blood may drip out on my other groceries. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. with just the proximity. We're removed from it yeah. in a way that um, that culture wasn't. I think, too, the, the idea of blood being the life is really central to every person, every culture, throughout all time. Global I mean, and universal. Yeah, like everybody knows that if you don't stop the bleeding that person animal whatever it is is gonna die if you don't have blood i mean blood is the that central thing that all cultures throughout all time can relate to Mm -hmm. and so i think there's a beauty 
in God um, establishing the the blood as being um, holy and different and um, of all the things that he could have chosen that one actually makes real impact <laughs> we think about the substitution the, the idea of life for life for our atonement mm. so you know the Hebrew people at that time would see this this animal that has to be killed and bled and the blood used on the altar and all these sorts of things and they would realize and through the teaching they would realize this life was given for my ability to They'd be actually clean place their hands on the head yeah, yes. my life for your life yeah hmm. and so there's this exchange thing that's happening this life for life thing that's happening and there's no real other way to to do that without blood being in involved and and that like i said in, on sunday that just paves the way for that the blood being the a part of the god's economy just paves the way for our understanding about the blood of of christ now clearly it's it's symbolic <laughs> in today's world and mm -hmm. i didn't get into all that on sunday morning it's just a hard thing to completely and fully nuance out but you know communion is symbolic the taking of the blood of christ it's saying we remember and we stand under and we are cleansed by his mm -hmm. uh his blood and so it's just a really really good reminder that context is so important when you're trying to understand and study scripture because if you were to take even just this Hebrews 9 pass scripture about you know everything is purified with blood um it does feel weird. So yeah. I, this this person asking the question is not uh, probably alone in thinking <laughs> the mention of blood is certainly hard for me. not crazy. Yeah. yeah, I mean we we it is you have to understand the context and the culture that this was. It, it, I think you said it yesterday. Um, it, the Bible is not written to us, but right. for us. So we right. do have to kind of unpack it to understand how this translates to real time. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus said in John six fifty three, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Yeah, that's weird. And that turned a lot of people off mm -hmm. in his day. It mm -hmm. freaked people out. Mm -hmm. How much more in our day? Yeah, yes. right, right, right. Yeah, it's, and it's interesting to read. I mentioned it Sunday, but man, reading Leviticus uh, 1 through 7. If you want to, mm -hmm. I mean, the amount. A course in blood. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, and, and it kind of gets a, um, a bad, uh, Leviticus kind of has a, well, Leviticus, you know, <laughs> no one likes that book. It's, man, the, the, there's a lot of beauty in those first seven chapters about God creating things that move people from being unclean and common mm. to, to clean and able to interact Accepted. with him. Yeah. And his his unapologetic uh, command that you, I am holy and other, and you cannot interact with me without life for life. Yeah. There needs to be a sacrifice made, a, a cleansing of you who are unclean, sinful, common, to make things and people uh, able to fellowship and be mm -hmm. with him. 
and we look at it and mean, man, that's grotesque, and man, that's a lot of blood. Or, which is true, or we can look at it and say, man, how good is God mm-hmm. that he actually created this system that allowed the people then to have fellowship with him in a, in a way that they, they needed desperately and, and I, wouldn't I, have been able to have. I'd go further and say God designed the world um, to um, require blood I mean, blood was his idea. He's the creator. Yeah, right. I mean, he could have built the economy around other things. Right, totally. So, yeah. I mean, this was his idea. Right. He's, God loves the physical, the physicality of our world, and he knew Christ was coming and would shed blood. Yeah. So, we, while communion is symbolic for us, the bread and the cup, uh, that doesn't mean it isn't real, meaning right. there was a real blood shedding a real on sacrifice. our behalf. Yeah. Made me think of something. I'm going to throw this question out. This isn't one that's in our notes or anything, but we should mention there's significant construction going on outside. Yeah. <laughs> if you hear it, um, and, uh, I won't be able to take that there's out. There's nothing we can do to get rid of the whatever they're doing out there. Um, so, with Old Testament ceremonial law, do you think uh, do you think the sacrifices were a hundred percent symbolic, or do you think they were effectual at all? You, they were completely effectual. You think so? Yes. Okay. I think when we... Like they actually did make... They were efficacious. They were efficacious. Absolutely. Okay. There's... I don't get any whiff of um, uh, going through the motions. Yes, they foreshadow Christ. Yeah. But they foreca- foreshadow his real efficacious death. Yeah. And so the blood of bulls and goats... Uh, had to be offered constantly because they were kept sinning. And, but when they were offered, they were, they were effectual. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. The, Something I hadn't really thought about. It, yeah. I think where the pushback comes from, and I agree, a hundred percent agree. Where the pushback comes from is that God consistently says, I don't care about your sacrifices. I care about your heart. Mm-hmm. Even in mm-hmm. the sacrificial system, he says, your offerings, I don't, I don't need. I don't need. Goes. I don't need, need those. Right. I don't want those things right. um, from you. He wants a repentant heart, which is the. If we look, if you again read the first seven chapters of Leviticus, you actually see in there the the desire, like come to me with a repentant heart, come with a with a true offering, and those. Uh, so there's a, simply going through the motions of it would not make it is not there, sufficient is not sufficient right there has to be a repentant heart a acknowledgement so of we can see, we can see the, the, uncleanliness the, yeah the sacrifices are necessary but not sufficient mm-hmm. yeah. they yeah. were efficacious uh, for the person that was offering them with insincerity it, that's a great way to say yeah, it okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good. All right, uh, and we'll, let's go to the next one. This is kind of what you mentioned, which I, I liked the voice that you... That Leviticus. That was a good one. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, hopefully that was me. Um, when, when you say that Deuteronomy 12 is not very, quote, riveting, don't you demean God's word? I know what you mean, but should we be careful to avoid labeling God's word as anything other than inspired and powerful? Good question. It's a great question. I love it. I have said before from the platform and got a fair bit of a fair bit of pushback. <laughs> all scripture is inspired by God, but not all scripture is equally inspiring. Hmm. Which is simply to say that reading the Table of Nations in Genesis chapter ten 
I mean, you're you're hard pressed to right. get a sermon out of that. Meaning, you're hard pressed to know what to say to inspire people to honor God and love Him with all their heart, mind, and strength. Which isn't to say Genesis ten, the table of nations, which is just a a, a, a really thorough genealogy. Yeah, yeah, right. it, it, it it who am I to say it shouldn't be in there? It's in there, and it's in there for good purposes. But it takes more diligence, study. It's not as keenly, as obviously as inspiring as the story of Lazarus's resurrection in the Gospel of John. I mean, my gosh, yeah. it's moving. It's powerful. It's full of drama. This guy walks out of the tomb. He, you know, stinks of death, but now he's come to life. So, I think we need to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. Saying that uh, something in a, a specific area, genre, uh, place in scripture is not riveting, it's just being true. You're just being honest. To say that the entire Bible is boring, not uninspiring, not riveting, that we shouldn't read it, uh, yeah, then, then maybe you're demeaning God's, God's word. But I, I was thinking about this question, I thought, well, Peter actually critiqued Paul's letters not, in Scripture. Not, not flatteringly. No. He, he, said that, he says the same thing on and on, and his letters are hard to understand. So I would say, well, so did, is Peter demeaning the text by saying it's hard to understand? It's not a relatable text, is what you know, Peter is saying about Paul's letters. So I would clearly say no, but... I said, make, yeah, I would say making statements about how the text makes us feel. It's genre, it's style, isn't really demeaning at all. It's just being, being factual. I, I actually think of for those who are maybe new to the faith or not following Jesus or new to church or whatever, to have somebody come up and try to make Deuteronomy, try to do a sales pitch with Deuteronomy, certain portions of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 12, and say, guys, this is awesome stuff. Right. This is, Are you digging this? This is right. riveting. Right. This is just as good as when the Holy Spirit fell on the believers in Acts. Yeah, it's I mean, just it's, not. It's just not. It's not. And they're going to look at you and be like, dude, come on. He, he repeats himself like nine right. times in the chapter. <laughs> or, or It's boring at sections. Or they're going to look at you and, and think internally like, I, don't I, fit. I just don't get it. Yeah, I'm, I know, not I'm just a part not. of this people. Right. Right. It's separating and it need not right. be separating. Right. Mm -hmm. I think for a a believer, a, a pastor, somebody to say, listen, this doesn't get, get me off my seat. This isn't gripping stuff, but yet it has truth mm -hmm. inside yeah. of it. And I it's think valuable, being, and it's inspired by God. Yeah, I think is being authentic and will... And we need to do some work. Yeah. Good things require work sometimes. We have to dig in here. All right. Yeah. Um, I just... Yeah. I just feel like this person's picking on you. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And that's okay. I, yeah, yeah, I get it. We it, want the hard yeah. questions. I don't mind being picked okay. on. Anybody who knows you knows your love for God's word. And yeah. It's really, I would only, can only imagine how hard it is to get up in front of a congregation Sunday after Sunday and relate to them. Like you were, I thought you were just trying to relate to a person who's going to, you know, open Deuteronomy That's for the first exact, time and be right. like, what are we doing here? Honest, and you're just I, trying to relate. Yeah. I'll be honest too. I knew what God had put on my heart and it was to go through all 32 verses, talk about what it meant to the Hebrew people and then apply it to us. And I knew that I if loved I... loved it. I loved it. I knew if I took 
five minutes to tell some kind of da 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 da. Hey, everybody. Try to make it sexy. I was at Walmart and met this guy and you know, like try to make some story to be relatable. Yeah. Like one, it would take too much time. Two, it would feel it felt out of place. And I could rack my brain trying to do that, or I could just say, "Listen, this text is boring, but let's ju- let's go." But there's still and value in it. Still yeah, value that's in exactly it. what it you takes did. Work. Yeah. And it yeah. takes some work. Let's, yeah. let's roll our sleeves up and let's go. And yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's what I had. It, it reinforces all the more your commitment to God, like the church's commitment to God's word, that you're not skipping over something that's boring. Like yeah. there's still myself, value to this. Well, and I yeah. found myself sitting. Uh, listening, and it wasn't boring. I do. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I found myself sitting listening, thinking, I don't know. Globally, the church does something every week that's unique. We open an ancient text mm-hmm. yeah. and apply it to our modern lives, mm-hmm. and that's just not happening globally. Mm-hmm. We believe God has spoken. We believe God has worked in time and space. That He called the people to Himself through whom he's saving the nations. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so, I just, I was enraptured. Mm. You're right. It's, it's not a riveting story like Lazarus resurrection, but man, if, if you do the work, it's a stunning story. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's talk. Um, Thanks, guys. Let's do, let's do another. <laughs> Doggone it, we don't like you. <laughs> uh, next one. If togetherness matters, then why do churches offer online worship? Or does church work online and I'm failing to see how? Boom. This is, this was on my mind when I was. Did you write this question, John? No, I didn't. But I was, <laughs> it was on my mind when I was preaching. Yeah. I'm like preaching and I'm like looking at the cameras in the back and I'm like I'm, I'm How does this giving work? this passionate plea <laughs> we're together in this room together I'm like oh <laughs> and those of you at home you're welcome too I know, I know. <laughs> we stream both services now yeah. <laughs> I actually think it can work still but if you're on your couch at home and you're with other believers you need to stand up and sing singing is a part of the gathering if of you, the people of God you, if you can stand yes if you can sing you need to sing if you can open your mouth it, you need to you need to share in communion when we share in communion here, right? You need to be under the authority of the elders, and you need to, to somehow identify that authority. You need to be giving to the mission of the church. You need to be living on mission. Yeah, yeah. It, we've wrestled with the whole online: should we continue? Should we not? And we have a significant amount, significant number of folks that are a, are a part of our body. Put a number on that fellowship. I don't. I mean, it's over. It's a hundred-ish yeah. folks um, that have weekly watch online. Yeah, and and our our missionary folks as well. Yeah. And we try to keep the kind of production value very basic. You know, where you can you can experience the service and be a part of it. And but we're not breaking the bank, right? Yeah. yeah. But I would I. I've been doing a decent amount of of reading about what's going on with the church virtual church and I I would say let, we need to be careful not to get too down on the online church the virtual church I don't have any desire to go into that and move into that space but there are churches doing significant work at overcoming the barriers to online worship what they're doing is they're saying okay people are working online they're meeting their friends yeah. and and they're doing all their kind of community experiences online. They're meeting their spouse yep. online. Yep. They're they're this this 
I'm, I don't quite fully understand it, and it kind of makes me weird. Like, I don't fully get the online world, but... And so what churches are saying is, well, then the, they might be inclined to go to church online. So you have churches creating virtual communities. There's churches that are meeting. This makes me laugh. But they, everybody puts their, their VR headset on, and yeah. they go to church. It's, it sounds seeker-friendly. It's, it, it's I mean, one of them is called VR Church, vrchurch.org. Uh, Life Church, Gary, uh, what's his name? Gary, um, Groeschel. Oh, yeah. Craig. 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 Craig Groeschel, Gary. <laughs> Craig Groeschel has. You're so good with names, John. Life, yeah, I, I struggle lately. <laughs> Life Church has Life Church Metaverse. Yeah. They have a campus with a pastor where they go in the metaverse. There's a, a place <laughs> where they gather Are we there? Are we there and now? they worship <laughs> and they are called to hear the word and sing and I haven't experienced it. I don't know what it is. And all I'm saying is that the, the church has consistently been uh, an organism that pushes into wherever people are, are where they're at. And, yeah. and again, I don't see GBC having a, a metaverse church or pushing into that currently or whatever, but, uh, there are a lot if of churches hiring online pastors. Lots, several yeah. local churches I know are doing an online pastor, and I there's there's some you got to be really careful with that because you can just isolate people more or, right. or whatever. But if you're being intentional about breaking down any barriers and you're bringing people into fellowship, hmm. yeah. it would know. be interesting to take the hundred people that you have streaming weekly and. Do figure out is it like seventy five percent of them can't physically be here and twenty five percent of them are on the golf course? Right, like I right, just would be right, curious right, to right. know. Like you said it, you or watch. Working. Lots of people working Sunday morning. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It would be interesting to figure out a little bit more. Yeah. Who it's those the danger is the consume is what I talked about on Sunday is that consuming the product. Well, yeah. It's out there. I need to get it done, so I'm going to mm-hmm. watch it. I'm going to eat eat the product. Mm-hmm apply it and then just go on to the next thing. I don't ever have to interact with anybody. I don't have to share my sins. I don't have to be prayed for. I don't have to, but if there's a way Mm -hmm. to do that, I don't know. I'm not sold completely, but I'm also not, not sold. Yeah. I'm trying to be open about it. Um, and this, I'll, I'll say this, this is just, this is Matt Marone's opinion. This has nothing, no reflection on anyone else. Um, uh, the church should absolutely be wherever it can be to reach people. So if people are online, let's go online. Yeah. I feel like a uh, virtual church is a miss if there's not a component at some point for your folks to plug in physically mm-hmm. to a local church if they can. Yeah. If, for me, like if I were going to build a VR church, there would always be some element in it of, hey, man, we love that you're here. Keep, we want you back. Um, man, if you're able, if, if there's a local church that is, you know, similar to what we're doing and what you, you know, man, we encourage you to go check that out. You can mm-hmm. still come here, but man, we encourage you to, you know, one of the, I remember a conversation Kelly and I were having like a couple months ago um, when we were talking about this idea, this uh, meta, metaverse church and that people will start just yeah. putting on their, their go- go- what do you call it, their goggles or whatever, and that they'll go to church and that'll be the church service and that'll be church, period. It's done. That's it. And, yeah. and um, there's just, uh, there's um, like when I was in the Middle East, uh, when I was in 
Istanbul, like a hundred percent of the people that we that I engaged with who came to Christ who were Muslim and they they converted to Christianity. A hundred percent of them had dreams uh, with Jesus appearing to them in dreams, and a hundred percent of their stories that I talked to, and maybe it was like ten, fifteen people, a hundred percent of them there was always a physical person to go and contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is um, unbelievable, right? Yeah, right? It's unbelievable Jesus would show up to you in a dream. It's even more unbelievable that Jesus would also say, like, hey, I want you to go to this place and meet with somebody and sure. And so I even in those moments where God is using dreams to communicate and to build his church, he still adds a human component to it. So I, I would use that as a yeah. example to yeah. model a VR church if I were going to do a VR church. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see. Last one. Why do you suppose the Israelites were so often enticed by the worship of foreign gods? What would you compare this to in our day? <laughs> so let's start with worship. Worship is um, giving our time and attention and allegiance to someone or something. We're called to worship God, Him alone. So our utter and complete devotion, according to commandments one and two, are to be towards Yahweh, our creator. So I, for me, it's just as simple as because of the fallen state of humanity, I consistently find in my heart a desire to give myself to something or someone other than my creator. I'm somebody, I think it was Spurgeon maybe, said the human heart is an idle factory. Mm-hmm. We're just constantly creating them. Yeah. I, so in our modern era, I mean, yeah, it could be anything. It could be any money, sex, careers, yeah. professions, experiences, children. Yeah, I, I was thinking about how um, God himself, but then Moses consistently calls the Israelites stiff-necked. That's like the, the, yeah. the slam for them. <laughs> you stiff-necked people, <laughs> which we don't say very often. It's just a, a, a way of saying kind of an advanced version of stubborn, where it's it's your your heart and your actions are in this resistant state you want to do your own thing um and i think that's that's probably the condition of the human heart just naturally our in our spirit who we are as individuals and maybe some of this is is a north american or or american influence but i think it's probably true uh, you know globally is that there's just this lack of desire to want to be controlled by anything you know and to have constructs put on us i mean stiff necked yeah. is this this stubbornness that says i want to do my own thing i'm not going to bend my neck to you i'm going to bend i'm going to keep my neck to you know focused on what i want to focus on and we get we get into a place of you know we want everything on our terms we want to make all the decisions and giving our hearts to god is for the israelites was was very unique right because they they were entering into, they came from a land and then they're about to enter into another land where it was a buffet. And polytheism, I mean, you could take the best of what you wanted and you kind of, as much as the gods controlled you, you actually controlled the gods. You got to choose. a symbiotic relationship. Yes. Went got, both ways. Yes. You got, to, you, you got to choose when you wanted to worship and how you wanted to worship and which gods you'd build temples to and, and, um, and I think that's, that's the, the draw for the Israelites to, was to say, 
I'm stiff-necked. I want it on my terms. I don't want to have to give everything to to Yahweh. Why can't he just be like the other gods? <laughs> Why can't he just do it on my terms? And man, I don't know about you guys, but I battle that in my mm-hmm. own life on a, probably on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I want my own way, my own control, my own things, and, and thinking about giving my time, giving my money, giving my heart's devotion, giving all of that to God in full worship to him is, is um, it's a daily battle. Mm. It's, mm-hmm. The human condition is not one that quickly says, I'm all, you know, have your way in me, Lord, and my hands are open, and I'm giving everything to you, and just a, you think it's okay? I want to give a shout out to Dan Moss. Yeah. Last night in our small group, we did something really meaningful, and um, he challenged us to think about what brings us anxiety, and then to kind of look at the other side of that. Where has God been faithful? And so, where? Why do we not think God is going to continue to be faithful? We shared stories of God's yeah. faithfulness. It's really good. Around the table, and it was really good. And um, then he you know kind of flipped that over and said now what's bringing you anxiety and and what makes you think that god is not going to be faithful to what it what's keeping you up at night and we were also very quick to discover what we all had anxiety about as well and um yeah it was meaningful we had a good a good time of prayer around it and i it makes me think of this question because you just kind of said it john i battle all day every day what I what I need what's going to make me comfortable what's going to make my kids successful what's going to make my my marriage thrive I'm constantly thinking of what my role is in each one of those and that's not a terrible thing of course I'm, I'm striving for godliness but at the same time I'm also looking for ways to just control <laughs> I'm like gripping my fingers like mm-hmm. I just there's a you uh, I avoid pain at all costs like that's just my nature and maybe you relate to that but it's um what can i do what idol can i worship not i don't i don't have a physical idol i'm looking to but what can i do to just relieve pain and control my anxieties and uh orchestrate things in such a way that it looks and goes the way that i want to and the harder you fight the less control you have (laughs) you know what i mean it's Mm -hmm. just this like spiral so I was really inspired last night by our conversation and what that looked like that I had been praying even when I was going to sleep and then waking up this morning is, Lord, allow me to be present. I feel like that's what I'm missing right now. I'm missing being present right now. So I'm not tempted to look for other idols. I'm not tempted to control things that I want your sovereignty to mm-hmm. control. Um, help me to see your faithfulness day in and day out so I can release those anxieties of things that keep me up at night. So mm-hmm. it's a battle. It is it is the process of sanctification. Like you don't arrive. Mm-hmm. It's just a continual batter, battle. So um, I get this question. I relate to this so much. And like, this is me every day mm-hmm. looking for other ways to worship to make myself feel good. I think of the all the, that's, yeah, I think of all the uh, metaphors that God uses throughout Scripture. You, you are children. Think, think how quickly children submit to the authority of their parents. <laughs> I don't know about your children, but or, or when right. I was a child, right? Like they, they want to go their own way. They yeah. want to do their own things. I mean, how many kids are anything? 
they're, they're struggling to get away from you. They're struggling to do their own thing. They're struggling to, you know, and, and then sheep. <laughs> sheep wander. Mm-hmm. Sheep get caught. Sheep jump off cliffs. Sheep are dumb. They, they'll, they, yeah, they, they are. They're, um, it, it just those, that's who we are. We're, you know, we're defiant children and we're c- kind of clueless sheep at times, right? Yeah. In our hearts. That's... Good so, stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the questions we have for you today. But if you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text Next Level Podcast 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that Scripture is a primary means for our getting to know Him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the next level. Prophecy.